Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. service in which we hear, we receive, we take in the Word of God, and uh, we've been studying the, the book of 1 John, and so today we finish it up. Um, I'm going to be reading uh, from chapter 5, verses 1 through 13, and then I'm going to skip ahead to the very last verse, verse 21. Um, let us give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed by God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And moving forward to verse 21, dear children, Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, God, we do thank you for this day, for this word, for your testimony, for your truth. Lord, we pray that at the intersection of where our hearts and our heads are, at the intersection of our life, would your word just encounter us here, and may we be people who follow you, and may you teach us and show us your love today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said amen, amen. Well, I had a a football coach uh, who, um, when I was in high school, and it's amazing, we remember things uh, that we experienced, right, when we were in high school or when we um, were in elementary school or even younger. Um, In fact, I had somebody who I was telling them it was VBS Sunday, and they said, I still remember the songs I sang in VBS. And I think that that is all part of it, is we remember these things. And that's why I had a football coach who said, who told us, he said, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same. And so when you come to practice, you're either going to get better at what you do, or you're going to have a lazy practice and you're going to get worse. And I think that that's true. And so part of our experience and what we've been looking at over the past five weeks, and if you're just joining us this week, let me just catch you all up because John repeats himself over and over and over again, is we're talking about light and darkness. That we're either going to be lifted by the light or we're going to be dragged down by the darkness. 
We're either going to be lifted, we're either going to get closer to God, this is what John is saying, or we're going to be dragged down by the darkness. And so right now there's a couple of folks who are passing out um, these little half sheets. If you did not get one of these half sheets, just kind of raise your hand um, and they can kind of see it says glow and grow on the the top um, because we are going to do an activity today um, that involves us uh, writing some things down and thinking. If you expected to come to church and not think, you're at the wrong place, all right? Um, But it's this idea of you're either going to get better or you're going to get worse, because this is John. John lived in a very sort of either-or world, um, and so you're either going to be lifted towards the light or you're going to be dragged down by the darkness. And so what I'm going to invite you to do, and there are some of you who I know you, you got the, the homework sheet already and you started looking ahead. You started trying to guess what was going to be done. Some of you may have even started to fill it out because that's what you all do. Others of you are like, Aaron, I ain't even do it, even though you're telling me to. I'm good. I'll just do it in my head. That's fine too. If you're watching online, just get out a sheet of paper. You can pause it um, and you can just kind of walk along with us. You'll be perfectly fine as well. But here's what I want you to invite you to do. So get a, a pencil out, get a pen out. Um, there should be one nearby. Um, and the first thing that I want you to do is in those uh, one through four, and it's important that you kind of keep them numerically um, with the one, is I want you to write the, the people that you are most around. Now, that may be individuals or it could be groups of people. So I'm with my immediate family, I'm with this work crew, I'm with these friends. So it could be individuals, it could be groups, um, whatever you want to do. And Ruben here is going to provide us some musical wallpaper, as one person once told it, while you do that. I see a few people. If you still need to write, that's okay. We're going to move on um, to five through eight, which is pretty simple. Activities or tasks. Where do you spend your time? What are you doing? Now, one of the interesting things is when I did this at the 830 service, I went and sat down. And then um, it happened right at nine o'clock. And at nine o'clock on Sunday, my my phone tells me exactly how many hours him and I spent together this past week, right? Um, and so it's like, oh, well, I guess that's one of mine is being on my phone, right? Um, what, is, what are the activities or tasks that you spend your time doing? Um, and again, you can, these can be general. They can be pretty specific, all right? But what is it that you spend your time on?
So now we get to the fun one. And I see some spouses like kind of leaning over, looking at the list of the other one. And uh, so uh, now you got to make sure you get these next ones right, all right? Because this uh, um, items that I spend money on, all right? Not just big ticket items, but what are your discretionary funds and how do you choose to do that? Or is there something that you spend a lot of money on that really consumes a lot of your time and, and your caring and all of those sort of things? Um, what are those for our next one? Last one uh, to, to fill out, and some of y'all, you may have a few more you want to add on to this list somewhere, but what are your most, what are your most regular thoughts? What are the things that um, you think about, especially when you don't have anything particular to think about? Um, what are, where does your mind go? Does it go to a, a situation at your job? Does it go to a, a family situation? Does it go to who should you draft in your fantasy football league? Whatever your, your thoughts are, um, what are those most regular, consistent thoughts um, that continually spring up? Again, I know some of you, um, I gave you nowhere near enough time on this. Others of you, it's like, Aaron, what took so long? I just knocked those things right out. We're all a little bit different here. I'm going to come back to our list. I promise you, if you need to keep working on it, you can. If there's other things you feel like, hey, this is really important to me, I need to write it down, then you can make your own number 17 and 18 and 19 and do it all from there. But I want us to, to get back to our text for today. Um, and if you get, if you trust me, I'm going to come back and I'm going to wrap that part of our exercise up. But I want to go over the book of 1 John and 1 John chapter 5 particularly. But again, if you weren't here, um, John really is one of those people who he says the same things over and over again in different ways. He's very circular um, in, in what he does. And so um, in, in some ways, as I've been preaching this over the past few weeks, I've been thinking, haven't I already said that? Um, didn't you already say that? Um, but it really, sometimes we need this repetition for it to, to stick in. But I sometimes like to see things linear of, of a step 
after another. And so I want to go through John's basic argument that he establishes here in our text today, but also in the book as a whole. And here's the first thing, is that there is a battle between light and darkness. There is a battle between good and evil. There is a battle um, between God and the devil, that this is a part of it. Um, in, in verse 5 today, he says, and who can win this battle against the world? Who can win this battle against the world? There is this battle. We can't deny that it's happening. We can't ignore it. It is going on. It's not just going on in the world as a whole. It's going on in our world as a whole. We're either going to be lifted towards the light or we're going to be dragged down towards the darkness. So what's second? Only God's children can defeat the darkness. The only way that darkness, either inside of us or in our world, is defeated is through God's children. This is what he says in verse 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that goes to the third part of his argument. How do you become God's children? You are God's children if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, this word Christ, um, Messiah, the, the Savior, he was the promised one who had been promised to come to redeem the world. And so you are God's children if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, here's his next part of his argument. Number four. There is godly testimony to believe that Jesus is the Christ. There is plenty of reasons to believe that Jesus is the Christ. We have over 500 human witnesses who have foreseen Jesus' resurrection. There is lots of human testimony, but John makes the point in the middle of our text today that there is godly evidence. He says, if you can trust people, great, but you can especially trust God. And he says that really there's three big points. There's the water through his baptism when Jesus was claimed by God, this is my son with whom I am well pleased and whom I love. We have the water. We have the blood on the cross where Jesus backed up his words and his testimony by giving his life for others. And we have the spirit that Jesus promised to his people that we can have the real presence of God with us. So the water and the blood and the spirit, these three godly evidences of his goodness are testimony that we should believe that he is who he says he is. Now the fifth part of his argument is this, is that belief is practiced through following his commands. If you love God, you're going to love people. If you, if you really do love me, you will do and obey his commandments because God's commands, as the scripture said, are not burdensome. God's commands are good for us. Now, sometimes we can get confused by them. Sometimes they feel burdensome. Um, and discipline often doesn't feel good at the time. But what God asks us to do is good for us in the long-term future. Now, when I think about belief, and that belief is practiced through his following commands, a lot of times we think about belief as something that's happening here. But that's not really the way that really belief is. Because belief is not just what you think about, what you assent to. Oh, there's a... There's a bag right behind me and a turtle. I wasn't ready for that. Um, it's like BBS week. What's weird about it? I don't know. There's a turtle behind me when I preach. Um, but belief is practiced through following his commands. And so when I think about belief, I actually, we got a really good illustration of this earlier 
um, this year. So in March, I think it was, there was a super fan of the Boston Celtics who showed true belief that the Celtics were going to win the NBA championship. So the, the NBA Finals isn't until June, but back in March, he went ahead and got Boston Celtics 2022 NBA World Champions. All right? That's belief. All right? There it is. There's his tattoo that he got. Now, the Celtics, at this point in time, hadn't even like, officially made the playoffs. They ended up losing to the Warriors, but this guy has more faith in the Celtics than, dare I say, a lot of Christians have in Jesus. Because he was confident, and he put it in permanent writing that this is the truth of what's going to happen. And so often we assent, we think we believe in Jesus, but we don't practice it by obeying his commandments. We don't practice it through what we do on a regular basis. We think it, but we don't live it and embody it. And so it, there's this gap. And so belief is not just one little thing. Belief is a big thing. And part of it, too, is that we must, and so how do we live in this life? How do we continue to follow his, how do we continue to follow his commands? We must continually choose the light by continually choosing Jesus. Because it's not just once we make the choice, then the choice is over forever. But active faith means we, day by day, minute by minute, week by week, whatever interval we choose, we are daily and regularly choosing the light by choosing Jesus. And it is easy to let darkness creep in. It's easy even for something that's a good thing to be soured and to end up harming us in our lives. Which is why I chose that we would finish our reading with verse 21. Um, now John was writing this letter and this is almost like the, the P.S. Like, oh, I really need to say something very short and very clear in order to help the people in the church. And so this is what he said, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Um, if you were reading the NIV or probably King James or other versions, it'll say, dear children, keep away from idols. And so the last thing he wants us to know, and this really confused me because he hadn't really talked about it a whole lot in the text. It's like, oh, by the way, keep away from idols. By the way, please, 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 how do you do this? How do you live a life continually in the light? You keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. And so that is really what an idol can become. All right, I, I like this definition of, of an idol by Tim Keller who says that an idol is anything, even a good thing, that can become an ultimate thing. He goes on to say an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. And so here at his very last word, and I think it's fitting for our last words, is to watch out for idols. And watch out for anything that can creep and become more important than God to you. Now, here's the scary thing, is that we can take God's best gifts and we can make them into idols. I mean, this, was some, this goes all the way back to the story of the Exodus when, um, when after the Israelites were, were sent free and Moses was up 
on the mountain getting the word from the Lord, the Israelites took what was precious to them, their gold. Again, they could only take with them what they could carry. They carried their gold and they had it burned all down into a golden calf that feels so strange and foreign to us. But it was idolatry. But we can take what's most precious to us and we can make it into an idol. You know, uh, this week... uh, had the, the privilege, and I really do as a, as a pastor, I consider it an honor and a privilege that people in our church and in our community would entrust us with what is most precious to them, which is their children. And here, one of the things that I know as a parent, and it's so hard, um, because as parents, we're always asking ourselves, am I doing this right? But I know that it's so easy to place my children at the center of the world. And that I want them to have every opportunity and I want them to provide for them. And I want to give them everything I had and everything I didn't have. That all of a sudden I can let my children run my life and not my God. I can let my children be the center of my world. That's the temptation. And not to let God be the center of the world. I can be so consumed with keeping them happy. Somewhat impossible. Right? It's impossible to keep me happy. Especially the same with them, right? That I'm going to do everything I can to protect them when really some of what they need is to live their life. And one of the things that's so easy for us as parents is in our desire to give them everything, we take away what they need most, which is God and their parents who are with them. We so schedule our children's lives with activity after activity after activity that all of a sudden we schedule ourselves out of our children's lives And we seek each other for a few minutes in the morning, through dinner in the car, and right before we go to bed, because we've made their happiness the center of our world. And that's not the way that God has called us to live. He's called us to be present. And and, and that in our attempts to give them everything, we've made them a center instead of what they are, a gift from God and a blessing. We can do the same things with our jobs, that, that it becomes what we think about when we have nothing else to think about. It becomes what we do, um, and it becomes so central to our identity of who we are, that if it was to be taken away, we would have no clues, and we would have no friends, and we would have no center or structure because it has become the center of our world. There's so many things that can be idols And so we have to watch out for these good things that become ultimate things and that become more than we can ever expect. So how do I know whether something is an idol? It's more of an art than it is a science. But I think one thing that we can know is just what is it that is it consuming us? Is it feel essential to us? Because of as I said, I think it was last week, if all I have is Jesus, I have all that I need. And so how do we move forward in this way? Now, um, and so I began to think about this pool between light and darkness. Light and darkness. Um, and, I, you know, it's easy. I want to say live in the light. But it wasn't um, that easy. So I got to do one of my favorite things in the whole world to do this week, which is to make a two-by-two chart. 
Now, you all may not be excited about two-by-two charts, but I am. And you saw it on the bottom, all right? I love these sort of things because it helps me to be able to see the world and to be able to see perspective in a different way. And so on the y-axis, um, I know that's math for some of you all, and I know that stresses you out. Just trust me, that's the y-axis. Um, we have light and we have darkness. Now, as I was thinking about it, as I was talking with other people, um, there are some things that I do that are light activities, but they're hard. You know, being a, a pastor can be hard. Being a husband can be hard. Being a father can be hard. Um, and so really, I, I decided that we needed this two-by-two two chart because there are other things that are either draining us or energizing us, all right, that, that are either draining us or energizing us. Now, in your little chart, you can write down what I put in each box, but you're going to need some room. So don't write big. You can just write it little because what I want us to do is to think through how these 16 things and where they might fit in the chart. So let me walk through each of the different boxes. So um, in our energizing and light box, those are the things that are delightful. Now, some of you all are weird because what's delightful to you is not delightful to me because some of you love to mow your yard. I don't get it, y'all. You're just like, man, I wish it would rain so that I could mow my yard. Now, I, I'm so glad there's rain and I don't pray that rain wouldn't happen but there is a little bit that when I look out and I see dead grass, I think, okay, that's a few more days. I don't have to mow. I at least got one friend over here who's like, yeah, all right. That's the way I am. But some of you, it is delightful for you to be outside in your garden in the 90-degree weather. You just love it. You love to mow. You love to be outdoors. It actually, it's energizing for you because you're out. You're working with your hands. It's a wonderful thing. All right? And so maybe there are things in your life that are delightful. Gosh, I hope so. If you can't put anything that you wrote on that chart in the delightful box, you are missing out on what God wants for you. If nothing is delightful in your major categories of your world, you need to find something that God wants you to do and to do it. Now, what I would say is I know you may be sitting next to your spouse or to your kids and you're like, oh, sometimes they're delightful and sometimes not so much. And that's okay. Maybe you need to parse it out. What is it about your relationships that are really life-giving? That are really, that are drawing you to the light and energizing? And maybe what are those things that are not? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, all right? So you may have to even parse out a little bit about some of these things. Now, um, if something is darkness and energizing, I actually believe that that's deceptive. That if something feels energizing, but it's part of the darkness, that's actually deceptive. Because it is drawing us down. It's like, it's like eating sugar, right? It feels good for a while. you got all this energy. Um, it's like Michael Scott on pretzel day when he had the pretzels with everything on it, right? That he had all this energy and then he crashed. And that's what happens with the darkness that brings us down. It may feel good for a while, but it ends up drawing us down. And so many of our practices and our habits and our behaviors, they can feel good for a little bit. But they actually draw us down. This is how addictions begin. Because you just don't want to feel bad anymore, and so you grab that bottle. You just don't want to feel bad anymore, and so you look at something. You just don't want to feel bad anymore. This is how affairs start, because you just don't want to feel bad anymore, and so you look for something that is energizing and what feels good, but it's really deceptive because it's going to end up bringing you down and down and down. And hopefully, we don't have things in this box, but probably if we were all really honest, we would identify something in our lives that feels energizing in the moment, but really, it's actually dragging us down. Now, if something is draining 
and part of the darkness in that box, that is actually what I would say is deforming. And maybe you're around people who are just draining and they're negative and they're just so much that it's just pulling you down. It's just so much that it's bringing you down and it's actually deforming you. It's create, it, you're getting better, you're getting worse, and these people are certainly making you worse. Now, sometimes in life, you just got to deal with people, right? Maybe that's your grandfather or your mom or your sibling, and these relationships are, are, are there. And so part of what we have to do is change our perspective. Because Jesus invites us to go into the messy world. He invites us to, to enter in, but we have to have a perspective. And so sometimes in life, there are people and there are things that are draining and they're in the darkness. We don't want to dwell there, but sometimes we have to visit there. And so the key thing is not that avoid this at all costs, it's be aware of what it is so that it can, you can enter in and go back and it needs to be balanced out by things that especially are in the delightful category. Now in the um, in the light and draining box, if something is good but it's hard, it's transformational. It's these are the things that have transformed us. And, and, and so we need to understand that this is a good thing. That some of these challenges and obstacles and, 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 and barriers that, that seem hard, God is actually transforming us. He's drawing us to the light. He is transforming us from the inside out. This is exactly what he wants, but it's hard. And it's draining. You know, I, I, I tell people I, I thought I was a patient person until I got married. Then I thought I had reached it, and then I had one kid, and then I had two kids, right? But these are all transformative experiences for me. Sometimes it's draining. Now, what I invite you to do, um, and this is kind of going to be, um, you can do it here um, in a little bit of time of reflection. You can go home and you can do it is just sort of put these numbers that you have in the boxes that they correspond with. And just sort of see, is this the life that I think God wants me to live? Maybe I'm dwelling a lot in darkness and being pulled down by activities. And so the, these things that I'm doing are actually deceptive or deforming me. Maybe they're worthless all and of themselves. Maybe I need to do something to counterbalance my life. We're not always going to spare everything as delightful. But I think that what I invite you to do is just prayerfully reflect, God, is there something you need me to get rid of? Is there something you are doing that I need to change my perspective in? Do I have an idol somewhere that needs to lose its importance so that I can elevate God's importance? Is anything on here have anything to do with God whatsoever? Because God has come so that we may live in the light and experience it to the fullness. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.